0: Just keep grinding, all right? We're getting better each and every day. Running left to the goal line. Fighting his way in as the Texans grab the lead. Let's go to work, baby. Takes the
1: gift. Has time. Throws to the end zone. Caught, and it's a touchdown. Love the energy. Wrapped up for a loss for the TFL inside the ten. All right, let's do it. Texans have the ball on the pick. That's what we're talking about.
2: Now, it's Texans All Access.
1: Good evening. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, and John McLean, the general, joins us Thursday night. We party. We get ready for the big football weekend. Savor every moment of football season. I give you the speech every once in a while. Savor it. It's football season. It's beautiful. The Texans are five and four heading into their matchup with Arizona on Sunday, noon kick, live right here. And immediately out of the gate before we get to the injury report, because I want to dig into that a little bit. Let's hear from the general, John McLean. Good evening, John. Your thoughts on the Texans trying to win three in a row for the first time in a long time, for the first time since 2018.
0: I thought there's no way they were going to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati considering how well the Bengals were playing and how Joe Burrow was playing great and their legitimate Super Bowl contender. And then they went up there, should have beat them by 10. And, you know, the fact is, They blew that lead, and they still won. As D'Amico likes to say, it's it's easier to teach lessons and to clean things up after a win, and I'm sure lessons were learned about the end of that game that will serve them well. And so they got a chance here to win three in a row at home, including against Jacksonville. But what they don't want is like Carolina came off the bye were terrible on offense, bad one series on defense. Unfortunately, it was the last one. They seem to have overcome that, turned the corner, and we'll find out because Arizona is no pushover now that Kyler Murray is back and they're coming off a victory over a team the Texans couldn't beat the Falcons.
2: General, after losing to Carolina, the Texans have won two exciting ball ballgames. Um, I think the Tampa Bay game was probably closer um, than the Bengals game was. I mean, the Texans were in complete control of that game for the most part, uh, but just kind of messed it up in the fourth quarter. But what do you think is the real Texas team, the one we've seen the last couple weeks or the one we saw in Carolina?
0: I think the team that they saw in Carolina is long gone, faded into oblivion. And one of the things that, looking back at that, CJ's drive through for season-low 140 yards after the game, he politely said he would like to have more explosive plays. And so Bobby Slowick, a first-time play caller, did what good offensive coordinators do. He listened to his quarterback, and I'm sure they talked about this behind the scenes. And then they came out, and they've averaged over 500 yards the last two games, and, and CJ's has averaged way over 400 And they're not going to be able to do that every game, of course. But Arizona's defense is nothing special. Pass defense is nothing special. And so now it's amazing. They're the only team in the league that has four receivers in the top 25 in yards. That includes tight end Dalton Schultz. Noah Brown leads the NFL in in average per catch. Yeah, you know, he's been just incredible. Nico Collins, you know, he missed one game and he's saying, I want to get some of that. So he's back. And you think about you have Brown, Collins, Dell, and then you have Robert Woods and John Mechie, who is a really good blocker, uh, having a couple important catches. And if Xavier Hutchinson ever got on the field for something besides an end around in which he runs over people and gets first downs, no telling how he would play. I wrote a column yesterday. It's on SportsRadio16.com that if we're talking about D'Amico as coach of the year and people are talking about Stroud as MVP, then Nick Asario has got to be talked about for executive of the year. And if you look at all the players that have been brought in here as free agents and how well they're playing, and you look at their draft, if they keep it up, they will surpass D'Amico's draft in 2006 as the best in franchise history. And every time I see those things that you guys see behind the scenes – step does where they're in there after the game, listening to D'Amico talk to the players and their reaction. How can you see that and not have a lot of confidence in his team? Not just the direction it's headed, but uh in the future, but what it's doing right now. They got a good chance to win the division.
1: Well, we'll find out a lot more on Sunday and then the following week when Jacksonville comes calling. But I'm not gonna look ahead. I will look at practice today, though, General. And Let's go over some of these injury report items here. Speaking of practice, i got Vanderkid 2 in studio here. He's chopping up the bit to go to basketball practice. We've got <laughs> one right after this show. But I'll get into this. Some things that have me mildly concerned, and I'll give you my level of concern after tomorrow's injury report comes out. But Graylin Arnold shows up with a calf. After having nothing listed on the injury report, George Fant with a hip—that's the big one to me. He was not on the injury report anywhere, but he's limited with a hip today. So if something happened. I hope it's nothing serious. Let's hope for the very best. The good news is, though, that you had Nico still limited. Let's hope for the best there. Noah still a DNP, did not participate. Will Anderson's full today. Titus, Kurt Heinish, full, full. Dalton Schultz, full. Laramie, full. That's good stuff. But what do you make of the tackle situation with Fant? Charlie Heck has been practicing. This could be one of those where maybe you have to bring him in. I don't know. How do you think it's going to go?
0: Well, you might, and you also could push Josh Jones in his natural position of right tackle. That's what he's played in mostly his whole career, although he has played guard and uh, uh, he has played inside. But the truth is the Texans have injuries every week, and it hasn't slowed them down. There's only one player they can't afford to get hurt. They miss Nico Collins, Noah Brown goes crazy. If Noah Brown's out, Nico could go crazy. Nico told the media yesterday he's going to play, and I believe it. And uh, as far as the offensive line, if George Fant were to be out, they could move Titus to right tackle his best position and put somebody else at left guard. I wish Juice Scruggs would come back from IR so they could have more flexibility inside. Michael Dieter's been playing really well since he was put in at center, run blocking and pass protection, offensive line. Well, this last game was shocking at how they helped block for 188 yards without a run. It was longer than 22 yards but Devin Singletary, and Singletary has a career i Carries thirty, like you. Oh my God! Nobody carries the ball in three thirty times again, and not only to get 150 yards. You know he's what, like five seven? They probably list him at five eight. What he is in his shoes, and the moves he made, and the way he has learned what to do on this zone scheme. Uh, you know, t- plant the foot, go. Make sure you get the right holes. He's putting moves on people. He was outstanding. And so the, it, and you're missing Damian Pierce. So it's a cliche next man up. I don't ever write it. I don't try to talk about it because you hear it so much. But the fact is, no matter who's had to step up, they step up. And the fact Bengals had some passes down the field shouldn't be shocking. They're missing three of their top four safeties and they get a guy off the practice squad at Baltimore, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, who'd had a cup of coffee here. And he comes in, he has seven, nine, six tackles and an interception. So if Graylin Arnold can't play, somebody else will step up and do well. And, yes, the players are doing a great job. But I got to tell you, these coaches are coaching their asses off. And a guy that needs to get a lot of love is Ben McDaniels. Hadn't been a lot of positivity in his family lately because of his brother. But Ben McDaniels coaching these receivers when we all thought, okay, they need a they need a receiver more than anything else going into training camp, he has done a fantastic job.
2: All right, General, you mentioned Devin Singletary a little while ago, 30 for 150 and a touchdown. That is just perfect symmetry, which helps my OCD brain. But what happens, and Damian Pierce has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday of this week, so my guess is maybe not this week. But at some point, Damien's going to come back healthy. How do you think the running back situation will play out once Damian is 100% ready to go?
0: I think, uh, that Singletary would be the starter and should be. And I think Pierce, so instead of Singletary carrying 30 times, maybe he carries 20 and Pierce carries 10. But Damien's got to prove now that he can, that he can work this offense, this zone scheme that, that, uh, Bobby Slowick has put in that you can't be a straight ahead runner. You got to go. Left, you got to plant, go, go right, plant, go. And but that'd be great if they had him back. But man, there's another example of a starter being out and a guy stepping up and not just taking up space or being average, but being tremendous.
1: John, what's the approach of Arizona here? They bring back Murray and they won last week, so they're trying to win which I know sounds silly to say it that way, because early on we thought maybe they're not trying to win. I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Come on, we were all thinking it. Caleb Williams, whoever else they might want to draft. But Murray's got a big contract. Wouldn't it be in their best interest for Murray to start playing really well and them all getting along and having fun in the desert? What do you think their approach is and what they want?
0: I think they would love for Kyler Murray to play great and uh, the running game's pretty good, and they're getting – they've gotten James Conner back, and, of course, Murray, you've got to contain him. That's Jonathan Grenard and Will Anderson are the best twosome in the league at setting the edge, according to statistics, Statistics and they are going to have their hands full trying to keep Kyler Murray from getting around the corner. I would imagine the Texans will have a spy on him today, Uh Sean Pendergast speculated about Blake Cashman, who is our highest graded defensive player and can cover. But somebody has got to spy on him, not that, that uh, it's still hard to catch. He's like a lightning bug. And I think they're going to be fired up for this game. People used to not get fired up for the Texans. Now they do. Every time they turn on the TV, radio, On Look on their smartphone they see C.J. Stroud and a little more D'Amico. So people are going to get up for him. Russell Wilson's playing really well. You think he's on the Texans. You think he don't want to come in here and uh, put his stamp on them again. And the Jaguars got everything to play for. But that should just make the Texans better, knowing they're going to get the best that every team has to offer.
2: Speaking of best, General – do you buy CJ Stroud in the MVP conversation?
0: Yeah, he is in the conversation and he should be because he's playing great. There's not another quarterback in the NFL who's played better than him the last two weeks. But the fact that no rookie's won it other than Jim Brown at fifty seven, the odds are greatly stacked against him. He has to win the division. No no rookie no MVP. Uh, has been another position besides the quarterback since Adrian Peterson in two twelve. So they got to overtake the Jaguars. I think D'Amico has a better chance of being coach of the year than I think Stroud does being MVP because it just doesn't happen. But based on what's happened the last two weeks, you can't put it past him. But guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, you know, they're they're getting to the time of year that that uh, gets their motors running. And they play for really good teams, if not great teams. But the key is, will he get votes? Each voter turns in five. It used to be one. Now it's five. That's after the last two years. And I'll bet you if he keeps this up, he will certainly be in the top five, which would be an amazing accomplishment for a rookie coming into a team that was three thirteen and one
1: There's an AFC South battle this week with Jacksonville playing Tennessee. Now, this is going to be played in North Florida. The Titans are three and six. There was a report today, and I didn't see anybody else pick it up, so maybe it was BS, that Tannehill was asking for his release. In any case, the Titans have Levis going. What's going on with Tennessee here, John? Do they have a shot to knock off the Jaguars this weekend?
0: Uh, Well, right away you say no because Jaguars stunk it up at home against the 49ers and just got uh, humiliated, but that might have snapped them to attention because they had lost a game before that since the Texans humiliated them in Jacksonville. But yeah. Landry Locker brought this up on In the Loop this week. Mike Vrabel has shown a knack for winning a game that you don't expect. They pounded the Bengals this year and then they'd get beat by everybody. Their offensive line was so bad in their game against tampa they couldn't run they couldn't throw i don't think will levis behind that line is going to go in there and win the game but if they somehow pulled it off with say a great defense that forced turnovers and shortened the field they kicked a lot of field goals i wouldn't be shocked
2: all right general make this one very easy the new england patriots go
0: Uh, We'll be looking for a new coach and general manager in the offseason. It's amazing to me. I see a report out of New York by Gary Myers. I'm told he's going to the Chargers. See what Albert Breer. Cowboys, are you kidding me? Jerry Jones is going to turn over total control of everything to Bill Belichick, and Stephen Jones is going to do that? No way. People act like Jerry John's fires coaches all the time. He doesn't. They've won 12 games each of the last two years. They may win 12 games this year. Mike McCarthy, I don't think, is going anywhere unless he claims out in the first round. And and uh, But uh, I could see, you know, Florio's been floating him, Belichick to the commanders for about three weeks now. I could certainly see that. Bears are trying to get a new stadium. They probably should go after Harbaugh. And I think the best place for Belichick would be the Raiders because Brady would get approved as a minor partner. That means he could tell Belichick what to do.
1: (laughs) Well, we all want to see that, all right? That's definitely good drama right there. And Johnny and I will dig into that a little bit more in the next segment. Uh, But, General, one more thing on the Patriots here. Are we still of the mindset that Kraft would look in-house in the Patriot family for replacement whether it be GM or coach or would he look to another system I want to pluck from that Shanahan tree or whatever the case may be your latest thoughts on that
0: you can get another system if you if you are hiring in-house the only in-house person they would hire is Rod Mayo who's been there a player coach I think 16 years and when he was going to interview for the head coaching job at Carolina they paid him not to do it And why would you do that for a linebackers coach? So it makes me think Kraft may want him, but he would hire an offensive coordinator to come in and change things up from what they've been doing. fact is, it was not the Patriot way. It was the Brady way. And I heard something. this. I was asked on my Nashville show this week, have you heard that Brabel and uh, Casario are going to go to New England and the Titans are going to come after Bobby Slowick? And I said, no, I haven't heard that. I said, but Casario is not going anywhere. He's got another three years left on his contract, and the McNair's love loving. And I said, and Vrabel didn't go anywhere because Amy Adams Strunk loves him, and if he got – fired in the morning he'd have a job by lunchtime and then bobby slowick might he needs another year as coordinator and i uh, said if you wait one more year then you might have a chance to get Slowick.
2: general deshaun watson is out for the season this is a pretty big talking point i know on 610 it's all around the country but definitely here Uh, What does this mean for Cleveland? What do you think it means for Houston? What do you think it means just going forward to everything included? Playoffs, draft picks, everything. Deshaun in the future. What do you think about this situation in Cleveland with Deshaun out for the year with a shoulder surgery about to happen?
0: John, when I first heard that, I thought about the draft picks. They have the Browns' first and fourth-round picks, and Cleveland has done much better than I ever thought they would. And Watson's had very little to do with it because he's been hurt so much. But their defense is great, and they've overcome the loss of Nick Chubb with Jerome Ford and a great offensive line. They still run the ball really well. When the weather turns bad. You don't need a lot when you're playing next to Lake Erie and the wind's blowing like crazy. That's not even if it's snowing and or you got ice. You got to run the ball, and they still run it, and they play best defense in the NFL. So I think there's a good chance there's not a great team in AFC North. I think they'll compete for wild card berth, win 9 or 10, and have a chance. To make the playoffs, which would be an incredible accomplishment to lose Chubb and Watson. But his, Watson played really well in the second half of the victory at Baltimore, and he should get his tributes for that. But the, the rest of the season, he's been up and down because of injuries. John McClain joining us
1: on a Thursday night. Uh, Lambeau Field has its own Twitter account. I only bring this up because it's super cool. They show lights. Growing the grass. Johnny, are these grass-growing lights up at Lambeau Field, they bring them in because the sun only shines for one hour a day this time (laughs) of year in Green Bay, Wisconsin? I think that's super cool. But I just thought I'd bring this up as an aside. I want to focus on a couple of other games here, General. Are the Jets or Bills, well, who Johnny and I have the who's better segment. Who's more dead, the Jets or the Bills? I know the obvious answer is the Jets with the Zach Wilson at quarterback situation, but they play with a lot of life even though they can't execute. The Bills just seem really broken. I know they just fired Ken Dorsey. What's going to happen with those two squads as they get together Sunday and moving forward? The Texans will be at the Jets December 10th.
0: I think the Jets are dead in the water I think there's no way Aaron Rodgers is coming back if they're not in the playoff race behind that offensive line. I think for that game to get switched to Monday night, Rodgers would have to come back. And uh, I think the Bills still have Josh Allen you know he's turning the ball over they don't run it as much as they should they got away from it the the uh the other in the Denver game because the backs fumbled but they were running great they got established the run with the running backs uh not put everything on Josh Allen's shoulders they've had a lot of injuries but i think you know the jets haven't beaten anybody like the bills beat miami and so i think the bills might use Dorsey's firing kind of galvanizes a team because they still got a lot of talent.
2: General, one thing we haven't talked about, uh Denzel Perryman had a three game suspension reduced to two games. Just your thoughts about that whole situation with Denzel having to be suspended for two games.
0: Well I get a big kick out of John Runyan. He began his career with Oilers, was one of the dirtiest players in NFL history that the league hired him to hand out the punishment. Now he should certainly know because he was involved in enough dirty hits. And um, uh, when they said he had seven violations, it's for repeated violations. They gave him three. When you saw Kareem Jackson get that, get it reduced to two, you knew Perryman was going to get it reduced to two. They still have linebackers. Perryman's missed games before this season, but they've got Christian Harris has been playing really well. Henry Toletola is still out with a concussion. Don't know if he's coming back. Blake Cashman has been great. I asked Cashman yesterday about his being injured almost his whole career with the Jets. Now he's not, and he told me all these things they had him do here for his soft tissue injuries, and he spends a lot of time doing it. And to think you can go from one organization to another and they tell you what to do. And it works so well with him that I think they can afford to lose Perryman because they do have talent at linebacker.
1: John Carissa Thompson admits to making up some sideline reports. Oof. And Oof. I think she did it just as a, Oh, that's kind of funny. Uh, look, I know what the coach is going to say. Anyway, it's pretty obvious, even though that might be true. As soon as I read that, because I didn't hear the podcast, but as soon as I read that, I said, that's just flat out wrong. And she's being heavily called out for it. What are your thoughts on the subject?
0: That is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Why would she admit that? It was a podcast. Why would you say that? The, The people don't trust the media as it is. And so now you give them a reason. Can anybody believe anything she says next time? It may all be true, but there will be people doubting her. She's going to take all kinds of grief from fans, and not just online, but in stadiums. And I think it was stupid. I think it reflects very poorly on other sideline reporters who don't make things up. But now people are going to wonder if they do. And there's a lot of sideline reporters lashing out at them. And that's very unfair. Of her, she, if she doesn't mind torching herself, that's fine, but casting a negative light on so many other people who'd love to have her job, I thought was just just preposterous,
2: speaking as a sideline reporter, I will tell you I've never made anything up
0: <laughs> yeah, before. right, you're just smart enough not to admit it
2: well, what was I going to make up, general? I couldn't see with my own two <laughs> eyes
0: <laughs> you
2: know. I mean, seriously, that's where – I mean, I just use my eyes. I mean, that's – Yeah, well,
0: D'Amico just told me, even though he ran right past you, (laughs) D'Amico told me that uh, (sighs) we need to get off the field more on third down. We got to run the ball better. Listen, uh, D'Amico is the
2: best. (laughs) He's the best. Listen, against Tampa Bay, I knew he was mad. I knew he was really mad. And he – he told me, he was like, I kind of vented to you, I got it out of the way, and then I talked to the team. I'm like, Look, if that's what I gotta do, so I gotta do. D'Amico will never run by me and if I don't talk to the coach, I listen, there were a couple of times I didn't talk to the coach at halftime for different reasons. I never made anything up that came out of his mouth, that's for sure.
0: Well, that's because you got Mad experience like... and you got character and you got the <laughs> things that you want sideline reporters to have. But I feel bad. I feel yeah. really bad for all, especially women and yes. young women.
1: Yes, absolutely, General. Well, You're right de, on. D'Amico being mad is like labeled praise compared to other coaches being <laughs> mad. at the house. So we don't have to get into that right now. General, what do you have going on in your various platforms for us?
0: I am working on a column right now. I interviewed Warren Moon when he was in town last week to find out he was part of the – Class of 2024 for the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. Interviewed him about Stroud. He's been watching Stroud since he was a sophomore at Ohio State. and He talks about him. And then Stroud told me, I I shouldn't, hey, I'm not going to tell you all this. I have to read it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. Stroud said, Stroud said yes, he told me that his dad used to tell him to watch a tape of the Oilers And Warren Moon because to learn to try to throw the ball like that because Moon had the tightest spiral and was one of the best pure passers in NFL history. And so I'm talking about the similarities, and it's not a coincidence because that's who he watched a lot uh, to try to emulate. He does throw passes just like Warren, his character, his personalities like Warren. Uh, He's very, very laid back. You know, he doesn't show emotion. He's poised no matter what the situation. And when those balls, when I see him release a pass and it's headed down the field, I think of Warren Moon.
1: Well, somebody tweeted John Madden talking about Tom Brady when Brady was young and comparing his calmness to Joe Montana, and I thought, well, you know what I thought. And I'm not putting that on CJ just yet, but he is calm, cool, and collected, no question about it. General, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
0: My pleasure, guys. Thank you, as always.
1: All right, coming up, who's better? Let's do it. We've got Texans-related stuff, AFC South, other NFL items. We have Houston Methodist Minutes a little bit later on talking about heart disease. Yeah, it's a big deal. Of course, the number one killer of men and women. Did you know that? It's weird. I mean, not weird. It's sad. It's terrible. And we'll talk to a Houston Methodist doctor about that briefly. Among other things here in advance of Thursday Night Football with the Ravens and the Bengals. I think you got a roof for the Bengals tonight. It's Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Moving right along here on Texans Radio, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And let's do it. It's what we do most Thursdays. Who's better, Johnny? Yes. Let's rock. Let's All go. right. The first who's better question is really who's best? And that would be the best or toughest opponent. For the Houston Texans, the rest of the way, other than the Jaguars. Ooh. Now, I want you to give me not just what team might be best here, but what game might be toughest for whatever reasons you might have. I've got a theory. I know you have a theory. Can't be the Jags, who are six and three right now, leading the AFC South. That's next week. You have the Cardinals this week. After that, after the Jags next week, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans again, and the Colts to close out the regular season. Which one is it, Johnny? Colts. Week 18.
2: Ooh. First of all, first of all, winning up in Indianapolis has never been easy, even though we got one last year. Yep. And that was easy. You and I have talked about, yeah, you and I have talked about the Colts. They're just, they're They've got enough players to hang around, and they compete. And, Sean, mm. and Shane Steichen has proven to be a very, very, very good coach, head coach, mm. office coordinator, play caller, throw it all together in one booyah base. Shane Steichen's pretty darn good. Um, I was really impressed with what they did here in Houston in week two. And look, the Texans hadn't found themselves. They were they were kind of playing one side of the ball the first week the defense was really good against the Ravens offense not so good then the offense was better against the Colts the defense not so good but week 18 I would think both teams are going to be hitting all cylinders and they'll have JT 28 back now is there a possibility that that game may not mean anything because whatever I just feel like that team I don't want to face because they're getting better each and every week the same way the Texans are so um it's going to be one heck of a game but I look at each game, and I almost said the Jets, but if Aaron Rodgers isn't back, he's not coming back. Then I don't I don't really fear Aaron, uh, what's his name? Aaron, I'm gonna call him Aaron Wilson. Uh Zach Wilson. <laughs> I don't really feel, fear Zach all that much. They're just not scoring touchdowns. I saw a stat where they've had fifty-three drives since Zach Wilson took over, and they have like two touchdowns something along those lines. It's, it's an absurd number uh, what they haven't been able to do. And there's a possibility that in a couple of weeks, it could just implode anyways, because if the offense continues down this track, who knows? I just feel like the Colts are getting better and better and they can win different kinds of games. I mean, they scored 31 to beat us. They scored 10 to beat the Patriots. So I feel like it's Colts week 18, and there could be something on the line for one team, for both teams. And that's, kind of the last place I really would like to be playing with something on the line
1: week 18. I just think the toughest game always tends to be one that you're not expecting. Yes. When you least expect it, expect it. Is it the Cardinals this weekend? Is it the Titans? See, I'll vote for the Titans being the toughest one Mm -hmm. and the one here for some reason. For some reason, you're in a dogfight with them. Even the history of this franchise, Johnny. I go back. We talked about Denver yesterday, a week after you played the Patriots in yep. 2019, 19, yep. and then you were blown out by the Broncos mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff, or 2012, the Jacksonville game that we always bring up, that deep in overtime game where you weren't expecting that from the Jaguars, but you got it yep. and you dealt with it, but it took you every bit of overtime to do it. Well, I think this year it'll be a division game and it'll be one maybe you least expect maybe the Titans here. All right. Who's better? Who's better? better destination for Bill Belichick, assuming he's gone. Assuming okay. he's gone. So we go with the Raiders who have a vacancy. Antonio Pierce doesn't have the job yet. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders, <laughs> and I'm going to go with some presumed vacancies or possible vacancies. Okay. So here we go. Bears, Raiders, Panthers, Ooh. and let me look around here. I don't have another one here. I don't have another destination. Chargers? All right, let's go Chargers. Chargers. Chargers are rumored. Oh, yeah, that's another one. So Bears, Panthers, Raiders, Chargers. What's the best one for him? You are Bill Belichick's agent. You're going to get all the money you want. What's the best destination for you? Well, if he goes to
2: Carolina, there's offensive coordinator as Coach Bryce Young before, so there's that. Um, <laughs> I think Dave Tepper would give him pretty much anything he wanted. So I think that, that's part of
1: it. Does he um, give him a piece of the team? Are you even allowed nah, to do that? Like I don't those? even know if you can do that. If The first person who does that, the first owner, is not going to be well-liked by the other, no, other owners. No, 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 no. They are not going no, to appreciate that one little no. bit. Nope. Um,
2: the Chargers, I, you know, I'm know. i trying to think of a situation in which the quarterback's already set. I don't know that Justin Fields is the guy with the Bears. Just don't. We know Bryce Young is the guy in Carolina, but there is a lot to do, and it's not as if... The player choosing process in New England the last few years without Nick Casario has gone well um, for the Patriots. So I don't know if that, I don't know. The Chargers feel like it's on paper. Look at all their players. Yeah. I think Belichick can tighten all that up, but it's the Spanos family. And they've never, never put out a bunch of money for a coach or a player or, you know, they had squabbles with, you know, uh, with Dan Fouts. Back yeah. in 1983, which kind of impacted the 1983 draft and all that. So there's always been that with the Spanos family. So I just don't know that that makes sense, even though there's been rumblings about how much Bill wants to be at the beach. Look. Really? It, it, really? Like really? he's going to go to the beach on a Wednesday? No, he's like, not. No. But his no.
1: girlfriend's. Well, apparently he broke up with his girlfriend. Yeah, I know, but that was a while ago, uh, right? A while ago, yeah. Well, there might be a new one. Because there might be a new one. He was outside. Was that his Where's house she from? or somebody's house? Where's she from? I don't know. Because that's where the job might go. But that's I don't know. appealing. Um, you know what? If you're going to be outside a house naked, it's good to be in a warm lem- weather environment. Let me give you one. And I don't think, A, I don't
2: think this job should open. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure that it will open. But one that we didn't mention... He i is. could absolutely
1: see him going back to the giants the giants are they really going to get rid of Dable? i know we I talked about this with the general think they a little will. bit but i don't think they will All i right. don't okay i don't
2: think they will but chargers it, i could the, the chargers just are kind of ready-made that they
1: could handle belichick and everything else That that, well, that would be interesting you want a little fun fact go ahead their tv ratings stink They're in the number two market in the country. Chargers? Yes, they stink. They're single digits in the NFL. It's unacceptable. No, the 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 move to LA is not. It never was a good move for them. Never a good move. You're going to get buried not only by the Rams but by LA itself, Mm -hmm. by the Lakers, by everything else. the The other sports meaning basketball, hockey, and uh, baseball carry a lot of weight in that market, much Mm -hmm. more than most other markets. Even when they're bad, the Lakers, and you have the Clippers, too. They carry a lot of weight. You have the Dodgers, a lot of weight. And obviously, the Kings do whatever they do. I'm not saying it's taken away from the Chargers, but it's just hard to get the ink, for lack of a better, more updated reference. Let me me give you one that could get kind of
2: interesting. Okay. If it goes sideways for Mike McCarthy. Oh, it could always go sideways for
1: Mike McCarthy.
2: I mean, Parcells didn't love it there, so you would think Belichick wouldn't, but can you imagine Belichick with
1: the Cowboys? Um, I'm trying to look at some others that might Jerry would be. love to have Bill, Bill Belichick. He would handle it the way he handled Parcells. I can't imagine
2: that Devontae Adams and Max Crosby, the way that they have sort of celebrated the last couple of weeks with these wins with Antonio Pierce, yeah. I can't imagine that they would be on board for... For no, bell to go no, you're, right, you're right. You're right. I don't they, see that They happen. don't want
1: him. They don't want the Patriot. I could see that happening. Even if he changes. Anyway, let's get to some other stuff here. Who's better? All right. I'm going to do this one now. <laughs> oh, God. Division with the better chance to get two or more teams in the playoffs. Let's do it. Division in the AFC. Let's the just AFC. stick to the AFC. All right, and I'm going to give you some of the uh, information here because I think the AFC South, you know, this could get very interesting mm-hmm. with possibly getting two or more teams in the postseason. Because right now, look, you have the East with the Bills at 5-5. Five and five. Can the Bills go on a run without Ken Dorsey, Joe Brady now taking over the offense? Are the Jets going to wake up? The Patriots are dead. Let's go to the West. The Raiders 5-5. Five and five. Hey, there's always a chance, right? But the Chargers, four and five, can they get going? Denver's starting to come up now. Yeah. Look, everybody's got games on the schedule that if they win them, if they perform well, (laughs) they got a chance here, right? The AFC North probably does. But are the Browns going to fade now? Will the Steelers be able to hold up even though they've been outscored by everybody that they play? They have a six and three record. The Bengals should be okay. Look, they held their own with the Texans. Did I just say it that way? They held their own with the Texans. Congratulations, Bengals. You held your own, but yeah. you didn't win. Yeah. So nice try. Try again next time. AFC South, Colts 5-5. Five and five. Mm-hmm. Titans, uh, probably not. But uh, Texans, obviously, on the rise here. Thoughts? Well, the first name you said was Buffalo Bills. And I was like, oh, what's their schedule?
2: Listen to this. Home Jets at Philly Ooh. by week. Ooh. at Kansas City. Ooh, not good. Dallas at Chargers. Patriots at home at Dolphins to end the season. That's not good. They have to play
1: that a is, ton better. That is not a recipe to end up 9-8 no. and eight even. No, they're playing some... I mean, if you're playing wow. the Eagles and the Chiefs, you're playing the two best teams in the league right yeah, now, and right. good luck with that.
2: Yeah, so because I, I think about i think about the east i think it's dolphins division to win right now cuz the bills are just not playing and they got to play that schedule i think the afc north i've thought all along would get two teams in i still think they get two uh, i am just trying to figure out which teams and and how they how they go about it um you know the bengal's we saw obviously but i, I feel like the bengal's are flawed i think they're flawed on the offensive line um mm-hmm. and and look we ran for 150 on them. we had, we haven't had a 100-yard rusher all year in and Motor goes for 150 on them. Yeah. So their schedule goes Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars. Then they get, then you think, okay, let's up a little bit. No, they get the Colts playing well. They mm-hmm. get the Vikings playing well. Then they go at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, finished with Cleveland. So it's not real easy for the Bengals either, but I do think that Ravens, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals could end up, you could get two there. I think the AFC South gets two. Okay. I think the AFC West gets one. I think they'll get the Chiefs. But I know the Broncos are rising up. The Chargers are just the Chargers are just all over the place for me. I, I, trying to figure them out is it's a nightmare. Because I, w- I was on their bandwagon a couple years ago, and I'm like, you know what? They keep letting me down. They got all the talent in the world, and they finished 9-8. They got a 27-point lead to Jacksonville and can't finish the game. So they're kind of all over the place to me. So I trust the Dolphins. I trust two teams out of the AFC North. I trust two out of the AFC South and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Well, that's six.
1: So there'll be one more, but those are the two I trust AFC North and AFC South. The North looks strong on paper, especially going into last week when yep. they had all four teams in at the time. But it's shaky with the Steelers and the Browns. Yep. And I'm not saying Very. the Steelers are going to have a losing season from here. They're six and three. But I don't like the overall way they're playing it's just too close to the vest man yep. it feels very dangerous for them uh and they'll have actually you look at their schedules not, 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 last two games those seahawks and ravens that could mm. get really dicey Ooh. for them uh let's do this now who's better better destination for kyler murray if he's gone from arizona if he's gone from arizona i'm going to give you three teams here the falcons the vikings and the titans because i got a feeling when it's all said and done with the titans they might not feel so good about their quarterback situation correct. again correct coming out of the season and they might be looking again and i don't know if he's a fit there in fact if kyler murray's available where is he a fit but is he a fit for either of those teams or any of those teams Atlanta falcons
3: okay
1: just watching the falcons
2: up close watching the falcons on tape a couple of times watched him the other day against the Cardinals and you think okay they're finally giving the ball to Bijan Robinson which they should have been doing it even more than they have been so I don't know if he's banged up maybe they're trying to hide it, whatever um but you put Kyler's creative excellence yeah with that team with what Arthur Smith can call I feel like that would be a dangerous dangerous offense now I don't know what the contract ramifications are the Vikings would be fun, but I think the Vikings have already, I don't know, the Vikings going into the season already kind of decided that Kirk wasn't going to be there anymore, that I think they were ready to reset. I don't know. Maybe what this team is looking at now, like, hey, maybe we don't need to reset. Maybe we don't need to reset. Maybe we just keep going with Josh Dobbs and see what he can do. I'm not but totally sure. after the sure.
1: season? I don't know. Well, we'll see where it ends up.
2: I don't know. I mean, if he, if he ends up playing well for him, That's... look, they learned a lesson. They should have learned a lesson. Remember Case having a great year in 2017? What What'd I they know. do? They let Case walk, and they and they brought in Cousins, and they've never really, I mean, Case got in the NFC Championship game. So I think it's the Falcons just because of the talent around them, but Kyler would look kind of fun with Justin Jefferson, uh, K.J. Osborne, T.J. Hawkinson. Um, he could be part of their run game, be interesting with Kevin O'Connell, but I would say the Falcons just because Ooh, that gets kind of fun. And I think the Falcons, I don't know what the Falcons contract situation is, but I would imagine they don't have a lot tied into a quarterback because it's Taylor Heineke and it's Desmond Ritter. Right. So it's one on a rookie contract, one on a pretty reasonable backup quarterback contract. So I would think money-wise they could make it work. So Arthur Smith, all that talent with Kyler Murray, Well, let me
1: ask you this. Arthur Smith, let's say the Falcons from here have seven wins. They're seven and ten. It's year three for Arthur Smith. Yeah. Is he back? It's a that's a great question, and it's
2: kind of been bandied about on the on the twitters um, and on the social media. I don't know. Um, that becomes that becomes kind of interesting, but I don't
1: know. I might Let, keep him. Listen. I, they, Lincoln,
2: Ry, Lincoln Riley is looking for an, oh, uh, for an NFL coaching job. Oh, he takes please. Kyler Murray
1: with him to Atlanta. So <laughs> successful. So successful. It's great. That will circle the drain It's drink not quickly. college. You can't bring your recruit with you this yeah. time. No. Although, if you have the number one pick, then they have nothing to say kind about it. Kind of so. Yeah, yeah we'll you see. But he won't have that.
2: No, he, he wouldn't have that, but he could bring Kyler Murray with him. But I, I think Arthur's a really good coach uh, because it feels like he's been doing more with less. But now you look at him and go, wait a second between Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bajan Robinson, an offensive line that is one of the better ones in the league, you're like, okay, what, what what's happening here? Let, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, this should be happening. Oh, well, just wait till we get our quarterback. Okay, well, then get your quarterback. Mm-hmm. But it might be running out of time. So if they go 7-10, and 10, I think he's going to be on a really hot seat. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you.
1: Coming up, Injury Report, Refresher, and Houston Methodist Minutes, heart disease, how prevalent. You might be thin, but you might still be a candidate. Yikes. It's Texans Radio. All right, final segment here on Texans Radio tonight. As we discussed earlier, Injury Report is out and limited today. Grayle and Arnold, these are headlines because I'm not going to read all the names. Graylin Arnold with a calf who was not on the injury report yesterday. So that's a bit of a red flag right there. We'll keep our eye on that. The important one is tomorrow. Actually, as we saw from last week, the real important stuff is who shows up and plays in the game. George Fant shows up with a hip. Ouch. Don't want to see that because he was not on the injury report yesterday. That means that's a recent development. Brevin Jordan with a foot. Now, Brevin Jordan is a good bit of news here because he was a did not participate yesterday, so he participates today. That's very good. Numerous guys were bumped up to full who were limited yesterday, including but not limited to Will Anderson Jr. That was nice to see. Let's see who else. Robert Woods was full after not even participating yesterday. So it was good to see that. And we'll see how things play out. Nico Collins was limited with a calf. He was limited yesterday. Let's hope for the best for Nico. Now let's get into Houston Methodist Minutes. And it's Dr. Kevin Lisman who we caught up with after the DeMar Hamlin situation occurred in that Bengals-Bills game last year. But let's talk about heart disease in general. Doctor, how's it going? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Uh, Doing well. Let's talk about heart issues. I know that you're one of the best in the business, no question about it. So I wanted to start here. Do we have more or less problems with people having heart attacks, that kind of thing? Heart disease, is it still the number one cause of death among men above a certain age? How would you define it, doctor?
3: Yes, uh, Mark, it's still the number one killer. Cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer. Actually, by a long shot, one of the things that uh, always amazes my women who come in to see me is I always ask them this question, and it's one that's a statistic that the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association is trying to really get out there to women, is that uh, it's the number one killer of women, and a lot of women are surprised by that. Um, The stat is if you take all the cancers that kill women and combine them, it doesn't equal heart disease. Um, That's amazing. that's, That's how much more... Men, uh, same uh, number one killer. Uh, we're we're seeing a little bit of a plateau effect in the incidence of heart disease uh, around the country. Uh, it's still, although it is the number one killer, we are still seeing um, a, a substantial number of cases. Interestingly, some types of heart attacks are on the fall because we think that what we're doing with intervention, with exercise, diet, uh, controlling cholesterol is really making an impact on the incidence of heart attacks, interestingly, but the the diagnosis of heart disease is still there. Um, We uh, we are bracing though for the storm that's about to come, which is in the form of uh, heart disease that is secondary to diabetes. Mm.
0: Diabetes
3: is definitely on the rise. And so we're bracing for what's going to happen in the future, which is uh, probably going to be a surge in heart disease.
1: Doctor, I often hear about people having heart attacks who you would think would not be candidates. They're in good shape. They might be runners. You hear about this stuff. How common is that? What goes into that?
3: Well, we know genetics plays a very large role in this disease. It's one of those uh, uh, chronic diseases, uh, also along with cancer and uh, other neurologic diseases, where um, uh, genetics plays a large role. And, And so we get... People that have, uh, that live very clean lives, they, they do everything right, and it's always uh, sort of frustrating when they come in and we have to die, when we get diagnosed with heart disease, it's just out of the blue. Most times, though, these, these people have both a genetic predisposition and also an environmental problem. It could be cholesterol, it could be smoking, although smoking's on the decline. Um, it could be uh, diabetes, as we mentioned before, and hypertension. Those are kind of the big ones. And so it's usually a genetic predisposition combined with something environmental uh, that that adds to it. But there are, we're learning more and more about these genes that control whether you get heart disease or or whether you are safe or even protected from heart disease. Um, And so a lot of these uh, unfortunate people who get diagnosed with heart disease or have a heart attack with, with really no foreseeable risk factors, it's usually a genetic problem.
1: All right, there's Dr. Kevin Listman from Houston Methodist. More of that interview is available at HoustonMethodist.org. It's the official healthcare provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. We are done. Thursday Night Football. Enjoy that friday show we've got matt burke defensive coordinator many other things going on in the program including D'Amico ryan's right out of the chute tomorrow on a friday night on your ride home can't wait to hear from the head coach prior to the game against the cardinals sunday noon live right here and on the bull 100.3 fm texans app odyssey app listen in let's enjoy as the texans go for three in a row have a great night everyone go texans